free and it's like like windows windows all over so you get a pretty pretty damn good view of um the campus and la jolla is where we're at so it yeah insane. i remember when you got there and you're like yeah i gotta show you the library i gotta show you the library it was like the number one thing you were trying to do yeah because like when you're like first here like that's all that's what the hype's about is that they kind of like the school kind of flexes the library because it is nice like mm -hmm. don't get me wrong like it's a nice library but like once you start going to it you're just like oh it's just another library so <laughs> but it, but it looks it looks cool though I mean, it, looks it looks so cool. sick it's like i don't know who made the sculpture of it but it's like what it's like empty in the middle right or am i and then around um, it so yeah, it has this weird kind of like it's platformed up and then it has like these bottom floors that kind of like go around and extend and they're like the bottom floors where you're allowed to like talk make phone calls and like people usually do group work there and they have like a cafe or whatever and um and then like you take the elevators up and like the more you go up the whole thing is like the quieter it gets so like on this floor that i'm on right now it's like if i'm outside of this group room i'm in i have to you know like i can't really i have to whisper Right. You know, like no, no one's gonna talk. No one's gonna. They're like, you can make phone calls, but it has to be silence. Like, yeah. no one's gonna make a fucking phone call up here. That's not yeah. happening. Dude, and then you go up to the eighth floor. Yeah. Whenever I go yeah. to the library, I always go to the top floor because I get so annoyed by like any. If there's a little sound, like I hate that. Like I'd rather it's really loud than like just hearing one sound out the corner of my thing. You know. I like working around people, and I don't. I don't really get distracted. Really. But, um. No, nah, not 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 too much. It depends, but um. Like, I don't mind being on the bottom floors. That's where I've been kind of doing the work. Um, the eighth floor is, like, the silent floor. Love that. So, like, I kind of want to go up there once because it looks cool. And it's, like, supposed <laughs> to be really nice. But, like, I, we, we kind of made this joke, like, that if, like, you make a sound up there, you're probably, like, someone's going to come out and, like, <laughs> like, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> That's where a practical joke is going to go with something. They're going to do one of those library things. By the way, welcome back to the Lost and Found podcast. I started recording, like, five minutes ago. Oh, yeah, um, you're good. You're good. You seem so relaxed, man. Like, I just, how long have you been at uh, SD now? Around, like, a month, right? It's been, like, a month and change. So, like, not two months yet. Um Two months since I moved in will be the 17th of November. Mm. Um, so we got, you know, a couple more weeks to go. But um, yeah, I relaxed is like, I think right now I'm pretty relaxed. You seem um, very, like, I don't yeah. know if you meditated before this, but you seem really calm. No, I didn't. Um, I've been, I've been trying, I can't, meditating is hard for me, but um, like, I've definitely been doing the guided stuff where mm -hmm. like, I'll go on YouTube, like, like a 10 minute video, someone like kind of guide you. And it, it does help because it's it's nice. I think what it is is just it's really nice to like pause for a second sometimes. Um, it's just like it's really easy to get overwhelmed, especially with like school and everything going on. So um, and I'm just naturally a pretty anxious person. Right. So like right now I'm, I'm doing well when I have something to do. I do well. That's why I'm trying to give myself things to do. Mm. But like, you know, we went to go watch a movie last night with some friends. Uh, we went to go watch Dune. Um, oh. I, I enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. I'm very happy we got to go see it. But I was in the theater and I noticed like during that day, like I haven't been in the theater in a while, but I sometimes get like pretty anxious when I'm just kind of like sitting mm -hmm. and like sometimes it's hard for me to like focus mm -hmm. on something. So then my mind will wander and then I'll just kind of like branch out into like a bunch of different thoughts and whatnot. And uh, like, I mean, it sucks because then sometimes you like get like the onset of like panic right mm. 
hate that feeling sucks like right. i hate that feeling and, so much and it's like i guess during covid like you we hardly went out right because we we're trying to protect our families so it's like still getting used to being around people again so like that's probably is that like the first time you've been to a movie theater since or have you no been? actually not I, I went to um i went to one during the summer and i was totally fine and i think like i was fine because it was like i had like it was just summer you know i was mm -hmm. it was i was on vacation i was in vacation mode um whereas now it's like i'm in a new place even though it's only like two hours from home it's still an adjustment that you have to make and um like that adjustment takes time it takes struggle like it's not going to be perfect right away right and like everyone around everyone around like we're all in this kind of the same boat here like a lot of people are feeling that but it's really nice that like I found like a pretty good like group of friends already and um like they've they've just been like i think um it's just nice to sort of like have that you know being alone is one of the worst fucking things you can do like for your, for for your for yourself yes. you know yeah it's horrible it's the worst feeling but um, it's like we almost do that more whenever we get into that kind of fight or flight it's like we'll separate ourselves more it feels like or at least that's what i did when you go into that battle with depression, like the irony is you don't want to do anything, right? Like you, you just like, there's no point. I don't, I, I like you're in depression, you're in a state of depression. Getting out of bed is difficult on its own. Doing like chores, tasks, like getting things done is extremely difficult. Mm. Um, so you don't want to be in that mindset in the first place and like getting in, like once you're in there, it feels like it's like a bottomless pit that you're just like sinking. You're constantly sinking through that pit mm. and trying to get out of that is so hard. But the irony is in order to get out of that pit, you kind of have to do things like, you know, like you're exercising, for example, you have to exercise, you have to go out, you have to go see people, be with people. But the thing is you don't feel like you want to do that. Right. So it's like, yeah. So it takes going through that experience to know these things that you actually have to do. Uh, we've been talking quite a lot throughout the like the last month and just like seeing your thought process with everything when you moved to san diego what would you say one of the aspects you were quite nervous about was because i know like having three roommates you weren't sure how well that was going to be but it sounds like that's gone really well um what else yeah. would you say yeah so actually ended up being in total there are five of us living okay. together right now yeah um, it's chill. I think we got the good end of the stick um, in the area we live in. We definitely aren't on the best place on campus to live, but I'm not complaining. It's a roof over my head. Yeah. You know, um, I fit my my piano in my room. I couldn't I, believe you hold that piano yeah. for about I don't know That's how. Crazy. I don't know how we did it. I was so scared, but we did it. Our rooms are massive. Like um, my roommate and I, like, you know, we're fine. Like the room on its own is very big it's a big room um, yeah you share rooms i forgot about that and like as yeah. sb it's the same thing too yeah um and the nice part it's not like a dorm you know it's like it's like a resident apartment mm -hmm. so um there's definitely a lot of plus sides to that um but yeah i guess like the thing that was i was most nervous about coming here for sure was um was definitely like how i'm going to adapt to like a new change of scenery and a new set of people um there's always that like fear like well here it goes again you know like um kind of like the transition from like 
middle school to high school or high school to college. Like, even though like for us, um, well, at least for the high school we went to, a lot of the kids, you know, we went through like the stages where you'd go to one of like the four middle schools they had laid out. And then those would feed into the high school. So people would kind of like already know each other. Right. Um, so there was that plus, but obviously you're still meeting other kids from other schools, right? Like, uh, for example, like Hawthorne, Horseman, like those are the, those are like two examples. And like those kids, some of them may have known each other from doing like activities together, but sometimes, um, so, sorry, when you actually get into the high school, like some of those kids don't even know each other. And then like somehow they branched and made friends. Like for me, like my, like, pretty like good friends from high school are all El Rodeo kids who I'd never known until like junior, senior of high school. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's just kind of crazy how that works out. But um, it's sort of just like you're you're going through the stages of like you're going to it's like a fresh start. Like here now you're going to meet a whole new set of people. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's always it's always nerve wracking at, at the start. Of course, it is for everyone. Like, you know, you want to be like well received by people. We're all humans. We want that. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a part of it. And then um, I was definitely a little worried. Like, I thought the transition from, like, a community college to, like, a university, like, academic-wise would be very hard to, like, manage. Mm-hmm. So far, I'm getting the hang of it. So, I'm, you know, Yeah. That is, so, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. How big was SMC? SMC was, like, about the same size here. But uh, it's it's different, right? Because like SMC is thirty k. Everyone's walking like, like robots to go home, and that's like kid, everyone's yeah. actually staying at school, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I met some, and and to be fair, like I still made like some really good friends at Santa Monica College. Like like my experience at Santa Monica was amazing. Like mm. I think like it definitely took a while. I was there for longer than usual. I was there for three for three years, um, which actually worked out very well, um, but. I think like being able to be there for that long allowed me to sort of like, you know, grow up a bit. And I don't think I was, was, would have been ready for a four-year university straight out of high school, to be honest. So I'm really happy that I got like the transitionary period over there of SMC and um, yeah, dude, I mean, it's 30,000 kids, but I mean, it's a commuter school. Like it's, you know, there's obviously no, there's no housing. It's, it's a community college, right? Yeah. Yeah. it's 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 interesting. Sorry to cut you off, but like no, you're good. My my freshman year, like I didn't feel like I was ready either. And you made a really good point to me because I remember being on the phone with you, and I said, "Well, you know, I went to Oregon, so I went to like a new place. So I really had to go through those growing pains." And I just kind of made it sound like you didn't have to go through those growing pains, but you kind of made me realize, like, no, no, I still went through growing pains, just not in a like a in like I was still becoming more independent but I was also going through growing pains in different ways even if it wasn't being away from my family and I just thought yeah it's like that's a really good point like I always thought about it so one-dimensionally when it came to like being away from home and that was the main struggle but there's so talk about like the little different things like even for your first two years in essence three years in SMC yeah no I mean absolutely like like it was kind of weird like if I can kind of walk you through it um, my first semester at SMC, I was kind of like, well, I don't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. I kind of like, SMC was such a last minute thing because the senior year of high school when everyone was doing like applications, obviously, mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of felt a bit bad that I was kind of just going to San Monica. And like a lot of people around me were like, no, look, I'm applying to like a bunch of Cal States and stuff like that. I don't want to go to SMC. And like people were like 
some, you know, like family friends and stuff are kind of like talking it down. Like, um, you know, you shouldn't go to, you shouldn't go to SMC or whatever, like you can do better. And then I was like, kind of getting like won over by that until I had like a talk with my sister who did like the Santa Monica to UCLA route. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said like, it's so worth it. Like it is so worth it. Not only just because you're saving money, but for a lot of reasons, like the ones I mentioned, but that first semester of SMC, I was part-time. My plan was like, I was going to be part-time, get a feel for how the classes are. And I was going to work and I was working at the, um, not the summer camp, but it was my first time working at the aftercare program that is like from the same company that ran the summer camp. So I was working for them and I was, I was doing well. Like I was 18, like 17 going on 18, I think at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I like just had turned 18. Um, it was, um, it was definitely a nice year. Uh, definitely a good transition. Um, um, as far as like mental health went, my recollection of it was um, I'd always been like somewhat like, like at times, you know, like, but like, like mildly depressed at times, but like, you know, that, that does happen, um, especially around that age. Definitely. But, um, but yeah, I guess Santa Monica, like starting off like that, sorry, was fine. Um, it was good. It was a good transition. And then I really did like working. Um, but the thing is I didn't work the spring semester. It was spring 2019. I had taken like, uh, full-time classes. And that was also a, from what I remember, a very good year. I met some friends in one of my like philosophy classes. Mm -hmm. He's like still like, he and I still talk. He goes to, to Berkeley, but you know, like, uh, he, we would go to like, he would basically like help me at the gym kind of like I'd go with him. He'd be like someone I'd lift with mm -hmm. and he would like kind of like train me and stuff like that. And I would like go off his program and yeah. all that. So it was nice to like have that. He's also older than me. So it's kind of like, you know, it felt good to like have like an older, right. almost like, That's yeah, um, person. But then like shit hit the fan around like 2019 in, in fall. Cause I had a pretty good summer, like of 2019, like it was a good summer, mm. but um obviously like for an, for another time um like a bunch of weird shit happened um i had a i think i told you i had a horrible edible trip oh yeah that's very bad it was very bad because like um when i tell it to people they're like oh you didn't even take that much i'm like i didn't but i like smoked on top of that and like it was not fun not pleasant it was it was intense um and then like like the following like weeks after that it was kind of like still coming off of that because of how anxiety inducing it was was it that bad it was bad it being that bad no it, it was it was bad it was bad really? i'm still convinced that that this is the cause of like all the mental health shit i went through i still think this is like part of it i think like i definitely think there's some trauma attached to it but i met with like obviously like psychiatrists and all that and and I, I don't worry, I didn't actually take meds or whatnot, but yeah. um, I met with one just to talk. And um, a lot of other, like, like I also talked to like a couple therapists and they kind of deny that that was it, but um, I don't know, I'm, I'm convinced, but we'll, yeah. it, anyways, anyway, sorry, I'm getting too, too sidetracked, but- That's um, so interesting that I forgot. Oh yeah, it's interesting. Um, so then like that fall, I was like, 
I was very part-time at SMC. I don't know why I was part-time. I just was like, oh, I'm only going to take like two classes. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I was going to do this like other thing on the side that was like two units. So I ended up doing the two units thing. And then I had this biology class. And then the other class I was trying to get on the waitlist floor because it was an important class that I needed. The teacher did like a random draw for that class and I couldn't get in. So then um, I, ended, I ended up being stuck with, and I tried emailing other professors, but this is pretty last minute to like get um, into like another class. So I wasn't just like very part-time with like one class and then ended up not getting like emailed back. And then the deadline kind of passed and I definitely screwed myself over and I was only in one class. And like the one class was, was, was decent, but I noticed like the first like couple weeks of that class, I started feeling like heart palpitations. And I was like, okay, this is weird. I've never felt like this before. And then it was like around the third third week of school, I want to say, like we were having a lecture. And then during class, I all of a sudden like felt like I was dying mm. and I had no idea what was happening. And that was like, it probably like, I've never had one as severe as this, but oh my God, it was like a panic attack. Like that is, that was a panic attack where mm -hmm. I like genuinely like didn't feel like I was in on earth. I felt like I was in a, like a bubble, like in my own bubble and everything was just surreal. And then like the following like weeks and months after that was hard. Cause it was just like battling with like the sort of like physical symptoms of anxiety. And then like, once those kind of boiled over, it was then depression so the, when that panic attack did happen, were you talking to people about it? What was your, did you even know what it was when it first happened? I had a feeling I knew what it was when I got myself together and realized I wasn't dying. Um, I called <laughs> yeah. my mom and my sister. I like stepped out of class, talked to them, told them what was up and whatnot. And then um, obviously like, um, they like were like okay what do you want to do next right so then i was like okay i need there i was like i don't know what i want to do next but i know that whatever i need to do next um it needs to be something because that's a sign of something you know so yeah wow yeah i've had a few moments it's actually interesting this summer when i was with you i i'm convinced it's that i'm allergic to something at jersey mike's because i get heart palpitations whatever that's happened like twice or three times to me yeah it could have also been covid but that moment was super scary and i'm it wasn't like anything like that um it's almost it's so interesting the way you described it it's like you're not in your own body while it's happening and it's it's so scary and it's like I I at least for me I like I was like I don't want to be here like I'm somewhere else right now That's yeah, yeah kind of exactly. how I coached myself out of it um what because obviously you've done much better when it comes to that stuff and now you definitely know how to control it but I'm still like curious how was what was the process of dealing with it like was it did you find it was most beneficial when you talk to people about it did you kind of like to keep it to yourself like what was your coping mechanism I was someone who definitely would bottle up feelings and like thoughts and like emotions and whatnot and after I after that panic attack happened my mindset did a complete 360 and I started reaching out and relying sort of more on like support for my family 
on mm-hmm. for friends. Like I would call up a lot of friends somewhere away and like somewhere there to just like talk and help. And then one of them recommended to me a therapist. And then I started talking to him and I wasn't convinced that therapy would help me. But uh, this guy was like no one I've ever spoken to. And I still talk to him. I actually, I'm going to probably see him on Friday, even though I don't, um, I don't really go to him anymore. Um, just because I didn't really feel the need to at, at a certain point, which is a good thing. Like, um, but I was like, oh, well, might as well. Um, you know, it gets a bit overwhelming sometimes. So it's nice to like, you know, be able to do like a nice reset. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, the thing about him is he's, he's like 90. Well, at the time he was 88. But um, I think he's turning 90 this year um, or next year. I forget. It's the best. The older, the more wisdom. Yeah, yeah. So much wisdom, right? Um, he's he's awesome. He's he's great. Um, and he really helped me like deal with a lot of, sorry, like internal sort of things. That, and um, he definitely helped me. Like, I think what it was was um, I, I, I didn't realize how much I actually had to say until I actually went there to his place and started talking to him because I was like well what am I going to do in this session you know right now like what am I going to talk about and then you just realize like the more you're talking to him the more like you're figure you're kind of teaching yourself in a way yeah. about things about yourself you're like oh wait okay I had that thought wait when did, I, I never even knew I had this thought let's like and then you would like you know, segue off that. And then you would talk about that in like greater detail. And then you'd be like, okay, I need to work on shit right now. I need to work (laughs) on some shit. Yeah. So I think, I think the best thing like a therapist or just even any friend can do is paint a picture for someone else to see like almost a reflection of themselves. I think in the past, like when I speak, cause I like, I always try to make myself an outlet to my friends. And I think you do too. And at least for me in the past, what I'd always, I'd always be like, hmm, so why do you do this? Why do you do this? But now I've kind of taken this different approach where it's like, wait, so you said, can you repeat yourself again? And I'll like kind of try to have them hear it for themselves. And it sounds like, I don't know what like your therapist did, but even with jungling or anything, when you speak and you, and you hear it yourself, it's so much more powerful than someone else telling you that self-realization almost. It is. Yes. Um, and I think like, honestly, a lot of it really did kind of boil down to um, self-esteem as well. Um, I was someone who was very hard on himself and in many ways still am, but definitely, you know, we're always, we have our flaws and trying to improve on it, of course. Um, in high school, I was like very hard on myself and I was very paranoid, you know? Um, and I think a lot of it was like college, like SMC especially, like helped me realize like, that you really need to learn to like, obviously this is such a cliche, but you know, learn to kind of like respect yourself to like love things about yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to do that. Um, because if you don't, it's people can kind of pick up on that. Um, and it's not fun to be around someone who is, you know, constantly hard on themselves. Right. Um, but you do before you can really like, I guess, earn, you know, the total, you know, like love from others, you do have to kind of work on yourself, focus on yourself and like learn to love yourself, not in like a selfish way, not in a narcissistic way, but you know, in a way that's like, that allows you to like, you know, enjoy, enjoy your time as a human, you know, 
yeah love for yourself almost improves your self-confidence has like a direct correlation with it 100%. i think self-confidence to me i, I want to hear what you think of self-confidence but to me it's almost staying true to your own word so having this respect for yourself where if you tell yourself you're going to do something you do it you know having that like inner confidence where you don't need um what's the word like merits from people from the outside yes and i think almost having that like self-respect telling yourself like yeah i do like this is i like this like that self-reflection that's the word that that's so important man and I, I wanted to say actually you posted on instagram the other day and it was like when i saw that post review it's like something i would have never expected like you wearing some drip with the hat and like the swag i was like wow like two years ago that's like tell me if i'm wrong you would have never posted never something. absolutely not yeah like, I wanted to I, talk to you about that. that no, definitely. So yeah, I, I love that. That's my favorite photo I've probably ever taken. Just because like it was Halloween and I was like, I needed a last minute costume. And I got that jacket thrifting. And I was like, okay, I need to make use for this jacket. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'll just like dress up like I'm from the 90s. Like, and then I had like the bucket hat that I got at like some swap meet. And then the Adidas I got thrifting. Like I got like basically the entire outfit I got just like off thrift fine. So it was a cheap costume those glasses looked cool. Like they look like Amazing. you'd see them at like a disco or something. So yeah, I was just like, all right, screw it. I want a picture. And we have this like, uh, like dining center hall at our place that has uh -huh. like that yellow, I thought you should, you know, you probably saw that yellow background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like in one of our like dining centers here. Um, so I was like, I need a picture. Like the first day I saw it, I was like, I need to get a picture here. Like I need to, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like for me, like social media, I definitely like never, I never cared about it too much into the point where I would like Oh, I want to post. It was more like I was on it and I was like, so just like, uh, I'm never going to post this or that. I'm just like, I don't want to be like negatively received or whatever. And then I just stopped caring. And I was just like, fuck it. I want to like, I'm not that great at piano. I mean, I, 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 I'm like, I'm okay. No, I'm you're, you're, I, you're pretty good. I, I think I'm fine. I, I definitely can improve. I know that. Um, and I'm definitely am followed by musicians who are better than I am who don't post. And I've told them like, you should post. But, you know, it's up to them. But I was just like, well, I don't know. I just like sharing music sometimes on the timeline. It's fun. So um, I started doing that. And then I was like, all right, I kind of want to start posting again just for fun. Like, like, not even in a serious way. Just like screw around. Like, if you look at my captions and stuff, like most of them are just jokes. Like, yeah. they're not even like, yeah. they're stupid. They're just, what was your like, caption for that one again? I was like, <sighs> it was like, damn, that's crazy. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> God. That's, yeah. it's, it's amazing though because I and I think honestly that's something to do with that like loving yourself thing that you were comfortable enough to post that and not care about what others thought yeah and, I mean and yeah. what's crazy is like you see all these trends in your life like something else we um so this was actually during the summer which was around four months ago we went to Roxbury Park and I remember you saying you wanted to play the piano and I was like yeah sure I didn't even know there were public pianos around there was like some sort of promotion they were doing anyway you said you tell me like yeah I'm uh, I'm gonna go play the piano I was like wow like in front of all these people there's like 15 20 people there you're like yeah like without blinking your eye I was like he's and then you said like I'm trying to get better at like almost performing I was like this is a really good way to do that and so you start playing I think one time you just started playing for everyone and it was like amazing went really well and then the second time we went back and you're like, I want to play again. I was like, hmm, I wonder if this guy is like going to want to duet or anything. 
and like it was like immediately after that he said hey anyone know how to play uh what, what was the song it was something uh it was so i mean yeah exactly so like the first time we went i was like oh like they have these i heard about these public pianos so they got like this email and then i was like oh this is cool because like I'm, i've always been like a big fan of like public pianos in general i just think they're really cool like we should have more of them like permanently i think we should just have them at parks like just for for good and like yeah they'll probably get beaten up over time but like hey i mean like it's there mm-hmm. um it's cool it's a, like parks are nice public spaces where like people love that shit they love music um so yeah like i played that one time and then like uh, i think like a, the family came up and we're just listening yeah. and then the second time we went there was like actual crowd because they were doing like a performance there was like a guitar there was like right. a tambourine that was, that was and then this, this and then they were letting other people just like come in and like play whatever and this one guy was like does anyone want to do a duet with me and i was like oh i i actually really do and i and he i saw him playing jazz so i'm like and i love to play jazz so i was like oh like i'm sure he'll, like we can do this so we did like something called the 12 bar blues which I is like which is it's basically like i don't know how to describe it to you but it's basically like um it's not really like a song it's more like one it's the set like standard is that one person plays like the bass which is like this repeated bass thing and then um it like changes obviously like different to different chords and, and notes and whatnot but um the person on the right will usually just like solo Oh, you like were playing the bass. You were playing. I was doing the bass. And you wanted and the to do guy. That. Yeah, the guy was like soloing, and the guy was crazy. Like, he was going off. He was feeling it. Yes. Um, yes. but it, it, I've always wanted to do that with like a random person because I I was I was really close one time at a, a college campus. But this one guy was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, and he just kind of gave up. I'm like, come on, it doesn't matter. Oh. Like, but uh, it was fun. Like that was awesome. I was like, fuck it, why not? You know, makes, but would makes you music. would you say like doing that and it kind of it shows like with other aspects of your life I think like just being able to do that like have you noticed like maybe you going up to more people like I don't know what it is but it's like it just translates at least I've noticed with when I try something like courageous like that I I completely yeah I I agree I think I think it does um since I've been here at UCSD um this is something also what the whole battle with mental health taught me was take more risks um and i just started saying like i used to never do this but i used to say like just fuck it the fuck it mentality sometimes like you kind of need it um like i never thought i would like i haven't continued with it but i never thought i would ever have like been like hey like they're throwing this uh thing at our like resident area it's like some lame event where they're just gonna give people like I don't know, some ice cream. And then they'll have like, it's not really that lame, but like, you know, it's like a social event they're throwing for us. And they have like a smash bros tournament. Like I'm not going to play in it, but I'm going to go down there and like talk to people maybe yeah. if they're cause ever, and then everyone went and then like, you just kind of meet people. It's like, I would never have envisioned myself doing that. I probably would have just stayed at home and like right. not done anything. And but, almost like, make up yeah, these yeah. excuses not to go and yeah, say, yeah. Oh, it's going to be crap. Like I'm not going to, uh, no point. Yeah. That's how we trap ourselves. Exactly. Like the first week here, I was like, I like kept, seeing like all the the newsletters about like the different events i'm like oh i'm definitely gonna go to those like how else i'm gonna meet people like the whole point is to meet new people here so i'm gonna do that and then i just like then we like heard about like this you know like the different clubs and then we saw that there was like free archery practice we saw that there was a bonfire for that club so we all kind of just went and then you just talk to people and you meet people and you kind of network um there's like and other the things like mentality is so powerful huh it, it can be so very powerful. powerful. It can. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of nice to be able to just, um, 
to just be like, oh, I'm just going to like try this new thing I never would have thought I would do. Like I never thought I would ever be like, I'm going to do archery. But art, it was fun. I had a good time. I would love to do it again. Um, it's hard. I, I might not commit to this club here, but that's okay. All right, guys, um, pardon the interruption. He got kicked off the library by some dude that just walked in, it sounded like, and didn't even say anything. I mean, to be fair, my time was up in that space, but it was like 12 on the dot when it was up. And like, I... I mean, the guy he had a math test you guys study for, man. You guys... I mean, I can't I can't blame the guy. Yeah. To be, that was kind of baller. He just kind of walked in and just sat and didn't say a word to me. I was like, all right, I'm out. As Henny Hudson would say, cut him some slack. <laughs> uh, what were oh, we, so we were talking about, yeah, like going out to events before we got cut off. And I think it's interesting because you're saying you go to like more now. and It's kind of like having less thought and just kind of going for it, right? I think it's so interesting. I want to bring this in. I was listening to this. This Have you heard of this musician called Jewel? I think I'm saying her name right. I'm not 100%. She has like this crazy story, like incredible. I'll, I'll tell you about her later. But she said something really interesting about anxiety, how she dealt with it. Because she faced it a lot growing up. And she had like a, a father that abused her. Her mother was like embezzling money from her. So she had to deal with like a bunch of conflict. And one of the things she said is she tried to get like really close to her, her anxiety and almost have a conversation with it to understand yeah. why it was happening. And obviously she'd do that by breathing, but also just by letting it overtake her. I thought it was a really interesting approach, but how do you feel about that? Because I also think, yes, you should want to listen to it, but do you really want to listen to that anxiety in a stressed sense of mind? Or do you want to listen to that anxiety when you're maybe more calm and can think more fluidly? Oh, you there? Wait, you cut out. You cut out. You cut out. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, dude, the Wi-Fi here is horrible. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, here just give it a second sorry like i have to keep like reconnecting to the wi-fi and it's uh, okay we should we should be good now I, i'm on like full service in this area so i should be fine yeah. um sorry so i i you cut off at the part where you were saying you were asking something yeah so there's a, a late jewel whose father like abused her and mother like embezzled money from her and so she had to deal with a lot of stress her whole life and like yeah. just so she described this like the anxiety she always tried to get close to it and almost have a conversation with it because she wanted to understand like why it was happening so her idea of doing that was almost letting it overtake her and just talking to it and like seeing why is this happening because this obviously means that something around me isn't right and my body is like my alarm to tell me that now my thoughts when i had it was it was really interesting i can almost relate to it but I'd want to listen to my anxiety when I'm in a more calm state of mind. It was almost as if she was trying to listen to it while she was still in that stress state of mind. How do you feel about that? That's interesting. Um, I think what it really boils down to is that coping with anxiety or stress is, at the end of the day, it's whatever works best for you. It's very relative. 
um, you know, you know, meditating, for example, works extremely well for people being mindful of your, of your anxieties and whatnot. And, you know, what is seemingly a calmer state of mind um, is, is, I mean, it's great. If you, if that works for you, then that works for you. Um, I, I would, I would say that, you know, when you're in that state of anxiety of high stress, you're right. It's like your body is an alarm and that alarm is telling your body that you're under attack, even though you're not under attack, nothing's happening, but it's hard to sort of tell yourself that, okay, I need to calm down. I need to understand and realize that I am present. I am here right now. I am fine. It's easier said than done, really. But I, I think that everyone has sort of their own coping mechanisms that, that work well for them. Um, so that's sort of where, where I am there. Whatever you can do to sort of alleviate any sort of stress, uh, for the time being, then do that. Yeah. Sorry, the internet's still, it, it got better towards the end, but just. I know, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I have full, full bars of Wi-Fi, so it should be fine now. Um, yeah. UCSD, man. <laughs> love, we love our Wi-Fi here. It's like love. notorious for being so great. No, it's, <laughs> it's really not. It's, it's notorious for being horrible and, it's kind of funny because it's a STEM school. Oh, <laughs> so while, while you've gone, while you've been at San Diego, has it obviously you've had a lot of like growing or it's more not even it's been growing, but you've almost like realized your growth. It's almost like allowed you to see how much you've grown since maybe freshman year in SMC. Would you say while you've been there, it's made you questions the wrong word more like rethink anything you want to do like in the future or how you want to approach life more just like a, a mindset flip almost I would say that every week here has been its own individual battle of just like I said earlier adjusting um, and has it made me rethink what I want to do in the future I I, I think that um I'm always changing and my interests are always changing. So what I may like to do now may not be what I want to do, you know, in the future, but I have like in a general idea of maybe sort of the areas I want to go into. And it sort of just revolves around assistance, helping people in some way, in some form is sort of what I kind of narrowed it down to. Um, but I picked up a hobby while I was here because I finally turned 21 and obviously you don't need to be 21 to do this, but it just makes it easier. Cause it's like, well, I don't have, I don't have a fake. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I never had a fake. I didn't really need one. Mm -hmm. Cause by the time I was about to get one COVID happened, I'm like, all right, well I'll just wait till I'm 21, I guess. And then I turned 21 and I, was, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to start, you know, trying to bartend a bit or just learn how to make cocktails. Mm -hmm. And I sort of just started doing that. Yeah. The other weekend you made one, you, you told yourself, um, this was interesting. 
you are you want to you like to host you like to host events and maybe it's because it's like a feeling sense of control kind of thing but also just like seeing people happy because of like your hosting ability and so you were we were talking on the phone you're like yeah I'm gonna have some people over and make these drinks oh but I don't know if all these people are gonna come over and like it was almost as if when you were saying it we kind of both realized it it was like look I'm there was a shift in the way you said it. it was like I'm making the drinks for myself and anyone who wants to join me is more than welcome and when you had that mindset that was like there was it was a win-win right everyone and, came and then everyone came <laughs> so it's that when you're focused on yourself you attract so many people around you because it's that sense of knowing what you're doing and it's so rewarding when you see it happen like and sometimes it's not immediate like that but luckily I mean, you were able to see it and that's incredible. I had that plan, like kind of like when I got here where it was just like, I want to, I've never really been a host. I've always gone to other places and stuff like that. And I love going to other places. Being a host takes a lot of work. You're never truly there yeah. because you're spending time, like you're hosting. Right. Um, the first time it, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't that many people and, uh, I didn't have like way too many drinks to make and whatnot. And the drinks are definitely like not as hard to make. So, um, so hosting wasn't too hard and I still got to be able to like drink with everyone else. Um, but then I did another one, um, sort of like a fall themed one. And um, the drinks I made definitely required a lot more ingredients. Wow. And I was like, this is a lot of work, man. And I have to like delegate, like, like, like cleaning, like cleaning up needs to be a thing. Um, and obviously I had to be like, Hey, can someone please help me clean up? Because it's, it's a lot of work making all those drinks for that many people. Like, even if it's not that many people, but I realized from now on, like I'm getting better as I go and, um, it's fun. Like, I think I like to host, obviously I like to host because I like to feel like not even control. just, like you said, I like to make people happy and like, share share the share the love share the share the drinks right i love doing that um but um i think i'm definitely going to take a break from hosting for a while <laughs> it's a lot of work and i right. definitely want to be able to to not deal with that for for just a, just a bit but, was it um, almost nice to show yourself though that you were able to have all those people again something you told yourself you were going to do and coming through on it that must was that how is that feeling just because and like, these are some things that we wouldn't even notice. Like if you're in, if you're in LA, if you're in your hometown, that's probably yep. something you wouldn't really notice at all. But the fact that you're in a new climate and it's like just trying to gain that momentum, I don't know, I see it as a nice stepping stone almost. Oh, 100%. It's just nice to have a hobby in general too. Mm. Um, just like a new hobby and one that you can always like improve at. And um, I mean, I hey, I wouldn't even rule out like, trying to work as a bartender that could be fun that could be a very fun job i would love to be a liverpool fan you should work at jocks's jocks's dallas jockster seems a bit stressful and they're, they're never so truly stressful. they're never truly making drinks they're just like they're chatting they're they're basically running all over the place like serving food to like a crowd of people and like pitchers of beer um jockster's is is a is a I mean, it's a, probably the best place to go to watch. Liverpool games. The, it is the best. It's yeah. and being from London, like you don't like the pub culture. That is insane. Like when you watch play that, like it's unreal. Jocks has matched it. It was in like we went to the England. Um, well, Jesus, Italy, England, Italy final. One of the craziest games I've ever seen, by the way. 
oh my god and i just remember in the second half we like kind of budged our way through and we met some fellow i met some fellow brits and it just like made me feel at home and i was like wow this is it that day was i'm never gonna forget that day i will um, never forget that day it, it, i, I kind of went i was really invested in that tournament um i had a feeling it was going to be a good tournament and it was it did not for a second ever um you know, it, it definitely exceeded my expectations, but it did not disappoint me at all. And I, from the start, was very, you know, I was very, I thought Italy was, was you good. Did. You did. I, I thought they had the best coach. I thought that they had the squad to, to make a run. And I thought that a lot of the big boys had the potential to be knocked out. And I was right, um, which is really nice to like feel like you made the right prediction there. So I definitely had a feeling Italy was going to make it to the final. Um, but England? England definitely surprised me because, I, I mean... We choke always. We're notorious for choking. It's also, I, I still don't believe in Gareth in the Southgate, the manager. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he managed to shithouse you guys to a World Cup semifinal, was it? And then a Euro final. So, I mean, yeah. that is impressive for England. I can't lie. Um, and, was- you know, on the day of the actual tournament, I was like, who do I go for? You know, because I'm in this pub that is predominantly with people, England, predominantly British, yeah, yeah or English, and um, maybe a couple Italian fans here and there. But if you're in that pub that day, you're going for England just because uh-huh. of everyone is pretty much blasted at like 11 a.m. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was surreal. It was the first time like in a packed bar since like the start of the pandemic. Uh-huh. And everyone, it was just kind of like a day where everyone was just like, we're here. We're in this moment right now. We're watching this game. Dude, when Eng- when England were taking the penalty, when it was the penalty shootout, right? And we just, like, there were eight of us that were, like, in solidarity, arms around each other. I was like, this is it. Like, this is, what, this is what I live for. Like, this is what I, you live for. That was incredible. I know, even though we lost, even though we lost, like... And, and the funniest thing, and this is like full swing, honestly, being in a bar is cool too, before I go on, because it's almost like a culture, it's a cultural experience, right? You're meeting people from all these different backgrounds, and this one sport is bringing everyone together. Like what, what was that guy's job? They were speaking to older guys, like massive England fans, like 50-year-olds drinking, when they're really like lawyers or something, but this football game has brought everyone together and it's so nice to see at 12 a.m 12 p.m why everyone's blasted but still yeah exactly oh my god (laughs) it was it was i mean it's just it's a surreal experience like even if you aren't a a massive you know soccer football fan whatever you want to call it um it's still just an experience you gotta do just because of how you're right how culturally significant the sport is and how it does bring people together. I mean, yeah, you're right. It was like eight of us, maybe even more, locking arms. Half of us didn't even know each other till that day. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's just like you're watching someone take a penalty, right? <laughs> you're, you're watching someone put try to put a ball into a net. Someone we don't even know like on TV. Some, someone you don't even know on, on a television in a bar somewhere in like Culver City. <laughs> and you're and like there are people like there are tears, there's sweat, there's like tearing nerve up. there's anxiety yeah. your ears are still ringing because how loud it is in there i mean i, I don't I, I mean this is how i kind of describe i'm gonna it. put there. some of the videos i'm gonna put some of the videos in like right here it's coming, oh, it's coming, oh, oh. 
Oh, please do. I don't know if you still have any. Still have if you do, you have to send those to me because yeah, I, I didn't touch my phone for that game because I. Another yeah. thing, we're so in the moment. But I yeah, I didn't touch my phone. I was so happy I didn't touch my phone. Um, but yeah, you're just kind of there. And I mean, it was barely even four minutes into the game. And then who scored? It was Luke oh, Shaw, right? Uh, Luke Shaw scored that. Luke like, Shaw fucking driven. scores. And just like that caught everyone off guard. Like the England scores in like the first couple minutes. And was. then it is so loud in there. I dropped my beer on someone. You dropped your beer on someone. The guy didn't even care. He was just so like happy <laughs> so that like they happy, score yeah. that he was just like, fuck it. My England <laughs> kit has beer on it. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then like it it's so insanely loud in there that it's silent. That's how loud it is. That's a really good, yeah, it's almost, it's a constant, right? It becomes static. You're just used to it. It's, it's like, it's so loud. It's just like, like you see the outlines of people's mouths, like, like yelling, <laughs> but you don't hear anything coming from their mouth. It's just like that fucking loud. And everyone's just like, like fists up. Just I like, could only hear the 55 year old bald guy with the unusually deep frequency voice. He was, he was a noticeable one. But apart from that, yeah, everyone's just like blends in. Dude, he's always there. He's always he's at that place. He's always at that place. That was yeah. the guy. Like we talked to him outside after the game, and you see how chill he was. Like we would, we weren't expecting that. We were probably expecting some drunk or something to still. But he's like had a proper conversation with us. Like, oh well, we'll get him next time. Like he's just such a chill guy, man. Like, I, I thought he was gonna be like really mad and like the like, and I'm sure he was very disappointed. But I think like he has like realistic expectations, and he was just happy to be there. And just he was like drinking. He was standing up on the table dancing and shit. Like. <laughs> This guy was having the time of his life, you know. He just wanted to come see see his uh see his boys play. Yeah. And um, you know, they they put in a proper performance and they should be proud of that. Um and even if even that you even though you did lose, you can't take away from that experience. Oh you know? no. Just, oh. Do you remember yeah. when uh the guy with long hair walked by us and it was like while we were linking arms and the, the British kid next to us started yelling, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> oh my god like shit like that just made the experience and i mean and those kids were absolutely like gone too like they oh, were just i love everyone them. is just completely like like and i i mean again like i, I didn't drink that day at all because i mean i couldn't but um but it was still just you know like you don't need to be you can be sober oh, you can definitely that experience sober. itself yeah. is very like absolutely you know but um i think it would be really cool for you to walk at bar I think that would be like a that would be fun. You, you really work on your like social skills too. You definitely, you definitely do. Um, you probably what will. Intrigues you, you about it. What's up? What intrigues you about it? I think like like what you said, the social aspect of it. I think there are certain bars that aren't like jocksters that are more like a chill. Like you're just making drinks for people, and you know you have like your you know just you kind of have like a small um depending on what bar it is like i, I mean i still I, there's so much i don't know i'm still new to this whole like trying to make drinks my own thing but um yeah i don't know I, like i think mostly the social aspect i think that you do you do get good tips from um what i've heard uh which is always nice so um yeah but mostly mostly the social aspect i think it's just cool to like just talk to random people and they're kind of just there for like the night. And then it's just kind of a mystery. Like, what is this person? Like you talk to them, have probably have this conversation with them. And it's like, they're gone. Right. You may not see them again. You may right. see them again. Who knows? 
Um, I don't know. I think like night, that's what I love about like nightlife in general. And you get that along like New York, like these random interactions with like strangers. And then. Well, I just feel like when you have those random interactions, it helps you realize more. I think walking at a bar would really just help it like be ingrained in you that when you meet people, you're likely only seeing them one time. So it's like, why hold back that one time you meet them? Like it just becomes even more obvious to you. Yeah. Like someone can say that and it will just like go in one ear out the other. But until you've really lived that, like you don't recognize it. Um, I want to ask you, do you think, so I, this is, when you work at a bar or something, say you did, but also just like playing the piano, like in front of other strangers, is there a part of you that you think you do this as a way of um, almost trying to overcome this anxiety? Like, or not maybe overcomes the wrong word, but as a way to train yourself so it doesn't happen. Because I know you can't control it, but still, this, it seems like a building. I, I think I, yes, I think um, like both of those things, whether it's, uh, whether it's working in general for me um, at a place that I like to work at, um, such as like, again, I told you earlier, like I worked at the aftercare program and when I was working there, I mean, I genuinely had a great time. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was fun. Um, you got to help kids with homework and like play, like run like games with them and stuff like that. And it was really nice, you know, like, and I worked with a really nice group of kids and um, obviously at times it can be stressful, of course, but like any job, but with um, that group of kids, they were particularly, um, you know, great. They kind of just make your day. I love the people I worked with. My coworkers love them. They were awesome. They're such a great, amazing group of people. Um, but, um, so yeah, I guess like relating that to what you were saying, um, I think like working at a bar, it'd be nice. It'd be like a good structured kind of thing that I would, I would, wouldn't mind doing like full time, like, or like just at night, you know, during the week or whatever, if I have the time, like that'd be something that would be really cool to do. I just got to figure out, you know, the certain things, talk to some more people and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think I rely on, um, I rely on like structure to kind of keep me going. And when I don't have anything to do sometimes, um, I can kind of give myself way too much alone time and that is not healthy. And you sort of, when you're alone for that long, sometimes, you know, you're, 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 you're constantly thinking they're just thoughts running through your head and they can, you know, you know, when that, when those thoughts do run through your head, you can think certain things yeah. that you, you shouldn't be thinking about it. Never thought you'd get to it, but it exactly. And you it, jump to conclusions. Right. Yeah. And with college, it's interesting because that was when I felt most like upset and alone, but it's also the time when you're around more people than you've ever been around at a more consistent rate too. So it's not necessarily even being busy or it is being busy, but just because you're around a lot of people doesn't mean that you feel fulfilled or busy. So Talk about how you've managed to get more of a routine while you've been in college. And because it's, it's tough at the beginning when you're like, don't really know anyone and it's, you're prioritizing meeting people, but now you're not, you're not focusing on yourself. Like, how do you balance that? Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, what I've noticed is you're right. Just being around people does not equal, equal um, 
what you want to get out of that in terms of like quelling your anxiety or, you know, dealing with dealing with stresses and et cetera, et cetera. Just being around people doesn't equal happiness, right? It doesn't equal, you know, um, fulfillment, but it can help if you're surrounded by people that you like are genuine, you genuinely, you know, care for, and they genuinely care for you. And when you find those people, relationships become more meaningful. And those are outlets. And they're not only outlets for you, you're an outlet for them. Mm-hmm. And you can and you can use each other to help and having that is beautiful. But just being around constant people isn't going to obviously fix the problem. So in order to, you know, I guess what I have found has helped me, because I realized that just being around people since I've been here, hasn't been like, you know, a cure of any sort or whatever. And I didn't expect it to be. You should do other things, other activities. Um, I'm pretty big advocate of just doing something active, even if it's not, you know, interesting to you. Um, maybe try try something new, you know, you may like it. Um, even if you don't want to like, you know, go to the gym and like lift weights, that's fine. That's not for everybody or play a sport. Like that's not for everybody. Um, I think there are certain like, there are certain things you could do, right? To just remain active in some way. Right. Um, and that's always helpful because you're releasing endorphins when you're breaking sweats. Hiking, I think hiking is very accessible. Hiking is amazing. Um, doing more things in nature, doing more things in nature in general, um, I found have helped. Obviously, it's hard to like, you You know, you want to, there are things that you do consistently and there are things you don't do consistently. Um, what I've also found a big part of like structure that I really like is give yourselves things to look forward to in the future. So maybe mark something down, try to plan like a future, a trip. Try to plan like, okay, in two weeks from now, we're going to go explore this area and go do this. Or, hey, like get a couple of friends. If you guys can afford it, let's go on Airbnb. Like, let's go on a trip. Um, be like, I want to go see family. Try to plan a trip with family. Just, you know, whatever it is, right? You you get it, but yeah. I try think to plan it's ahead. It's yeah. Like what you're describing, it sounds like to me, that's how you keep like above this level you know that's how you stay from getting to here but what are the steps that you took to get from here to here in the first place you know like it's having that I think it's interesting because routine can bring you to here but it's I've always associated routine more with not getting back to that dark place Um, yes I guess it is kind of 50 50 like I I journal and I go on runs because I, I love doing that. But I think maybe deep down, I also do do that. So I don't ever go back to that like dark space just because you know how like scary it is. And it's just how how crazy it, it was. And it's like just that alone, remembering the, the pain like stops is enough motivation just not to go down there again. Yes. But I think like the further I've gone from having that experience, maybe the less I forget how painful it was down there. So what helps you kind of remember, like, I don't want to be there, kind of. Like, what's your reinforcement to, to continue? 
my reinforcement is that when I was in that place, I was not eating food. That's a big one for me. The fear of just looking at food and just getting knots in your stomach and just not wanting to eat. And then being like, all right, I'll eat later. And then I was eating like maybe one meal a day. And that one meal had to be like Shake Shack. It had to be something like calorie packed. So I didn't just like become like a cadaver. So um, that was a huge motivation for me to never really get back to that place. Uh, The physical symptoms were horrible. They were scary. Like you just felt like crap. You felt just like out of it. You felt like you couldn't focus. Um, You just felt tired all the time. And again, you sort of had like the remnants of like, of like the panic attack in terms of like, you just felt like a tightness in your chest or like a tightness in your head. Like someone was taking like a band and just like, like extending it and then just like squeezing it. Um, Get the, the, I mean, for me, it was really the fear of getting back to that place really propelled me because I don't want to be in that place. And I don't recommend anybody and I don't think anyone wants to, obviously no one wants to be in that place, but for me, that, that was it. It was, it was, I, I lost like maybe 20 pounds, maybe, maybe, um, maybe a little bit less than that just because I couldn't eat for, it was like maybe a couple, I think it was about a month. Yeah. It was about a month, maybe less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely had something similar and it's, it's so weird because what causes these these emotions from anyone is so different. Like it could be breaking up with a girl. It could be your dad passed away. You know, like the, uh, what's the word? Like the, I don't know, like the emotional impact can be the same in here, even though what actually happened is so much more like emphatic for someone else's life than yours. And I, I, I just think it comes to show like your, like your perception is so strong and really can control the way you just react. And something I've tried to do is, and I I have like my kind of my guru, my 80 year old guru who I meditate with in London. And he, he always says, it's like, just let, you have to let go. It's not, you shouldn't be so, we contract when we get nervous, you know? And when you let go, you're going to feel so good. And it's something I'm still trying to master. And I'm 80, but or he's not 80. He's like 68, but I don't know. He just, he just, he, he's just such a like father. He's like a, when I think of him, I just think of like a Buddhist, like just with his legs crossed. He's so calm. Yeah, um, absolutely. But he's just, you know, he's got like letting go is so important. And I told him the other day, I was like, you know, I feel that I've been almost not present in my life lately. I feel like I'm in my head too much and I'm just not like focusing on life. And you know what he said? He said, I want you to try and not be present. And I was, and at first I was like, why would you want me to try to do what I don't want to do? And then while I said it back to you and you're like the therapist, when you say it, you realize it. I was like, so I, I want to do that because it's going to actually help me realize how I'm doing that. And Stevie, I don't know, like if you've ever tried like any mind tricks like that, but it helped me so much. And I focused on that for the next two days. And I'm not saying fully, like I'm much more in the present, but I would say like, I've seen improvement ever since that. And 
it's so it's crazy how many tricks like that when it comes to perception that there are where you can almost trick yourself into being in that case being more present so did he say that instead of trying to just be present think think ahead and like meditate on those thoughts so it was more like i was i was too in my head and i was trying to be more in the present but i always was like not and I was like, so what do I do? And he said, I want you to keep trying what you're doing. right. I, I want you to keep trying to do what you're doing right now where you're not like in the present. So I was confused. Like, why would you want me to not try? But then obviously. So basically what he meant by that was like, think of those thoughts you're normally having and like, think, why am I having these? Like, it's basically just like self-reflection. But I had like a specific like direction. I was, I, I had something I was, tunneling in it's just I've never thought about it like that like maybe yeah. in the past I've I've done that naturally but not to really try and do that it was just like a reverse way of thinking that I've never had before and then yeah. I, I I took it with like another aspect where I was focusing too much on something else and I and I softened because that's what he's told me before and it's like he describes softening as instead of seeing, like, take this object of wellness formula, which I highly recommend, by the way. I had a cold this week, and then so much. You take three of these when you feel you're getting in, in sponsor me wellness formula. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he told me, look at this and focus on it, focus on it. So I did. My body naturally contracted a bit. And then he said, now I want you to soften. And at first I was like oh, I just softened but I didn't know what I was doing right then he said all right I want you to focus again now I want you to soften and when I softened the second time I still saw the object but I also saw more around it and with life it, he kind of compared it he's like when you see one thing when there's one thing you're obsessing on over and over again take that moment and soften and still don't try to not focus on that thing, still see it, but also see all the other aspects of life. And when you do, when you make that adjustment to soften, and by the way, it shouldn't even be an adjustment by the end. If you truly master it, you're constantly softened, but soften and you're going to see everything else. And naturally you're going to become less stressed because now you're not hyper-focused on that one thing. So interesting those adjustments I've been trying to make lately and I've just found it makes such a difference and even speaking to you right now I think on previous podcasts like I'll have I'd have someone else speaking as well and maybe I'd zone out a little bit I just feel like I'm much more in the present right now yeah definitely like one on one on ones can be really interesting um and I think like you you and I I mean we, we talk a lot mm. like you know in general and I think when we do talk it's pretty nice like reset it's always good to, it's always just good to catch up with people. I mean, that's, that's another like piece of advice. If I could give one is like, like recognize those around you who you really care for and who do care for you and open up. I think like, I definitely was afraid to open up in the past, but the more I reach opened up and like reached out to like friends and family, the more like, I was like, wow, I'm fucking lucky. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this until it happened, but there is a whole network and support system of people out there for you. Um, and you may just not know it, or you may, you may know it, but 
I just think that, you know, if I had a friend that I really cared about and they were going through a really rough time, I would really want them to come tell me, mm. you know, just because I, I, I mean, but what you learn, nice to not be alone. Absolutely. What you almost learn when you go through it is like, you can't like force anyone to tell you anything. Right. Like I, I, I don't know if like I get on the phone with you, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. Like, no, I, I'm going to be there to listen. Same with you. Like when I go through my things, it's like, you're more of a listener rather than a, I'm going to take, like, let me get it out of you. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Like the other person has to feel comfortable with like giving. And I think that goes back to like realizing how many people are actually there for you, but you're just, maybe you're always afraid to like make yourself vulnerable to someone when you're not sure if that's like where your relationship is really at. Cause I definitely have certain friends where I know like, okay, like this is my going out guy, but I'll be honest, like, I don't talk with him that much about my feelings. And that's cool. But you know, in your head, like, this is who he is to you. Okay, I have another guy. I purely play basketball with him. Every Tuesday and Thursday, go out, we shoot, we have a great time. But is he going to be there for me on the phone? No. Is that okay? Absolutely. I've come to peace with that. Now someone like you, one of my best friends, talk to you all the time. If I'm upset, can I talk to him? Of course. And it's just, <clears throat> I've definitely started to think of life more like that. It's, um, you know, you have people for different things. And not every single person has to be your device to talk to. You know, that's okay. Like, that's true not everyone's comfortable with that and the second you come to peace with that like life becomes so more easy because you're not trying to force everything exactly because you know you have it in the first place and the fact that you do have it makes it really kind of just what's the word i'm looking for um makes your mind at ease it eases your mind um because you realize that I have this, I have this support system that if I ever need to fall back onto, it will be there for me. And like, when you like knowing that is just one, it's just wonderful. And like you said, it's okay to have like acquaintances, like, like, um, I love being like having, you know, friends for soccer or like friends I can go to the gym with, or go do like a specific activity that we both like to do with. Um, will that friend turn into my best friend in the world or, you know, be like that person that I like divulge all my like feelings and, you know, like different thoughts about certain things um, to probably not. And that's okay. Like you said, that's okay. But you never know, right? Like you can't you never know. It's like you could grow a connection. That's why it's like the most natural too. Yeah. It's good to be natural. It's good not to, you don't really need to force anything really. Um, it's how you feel, you know, around certain know. people. Just I feel like it, I don't know. I I sometimes like I have a very good like intuition with people. So it's like if I see like someone's like on my wavelength, I like to like, you know, like friendship, right? Friends. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's like no, you just gotta you know take it take it slow, man. Just let it. What's the word? Jesus, I'm not good with my words today. Just let it. No, happen. you're good. Let it happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. It's so interesting, man. Like, as I've gotten older, it's crazy how many, like, through experience, how much more you realize about life. And I would have never expected three years ago, this was how I perceive everything, you know, because my thoughts of everything has, ch has changed. I used to always, you know, this is, take this for an example. I used to always, like, have a, I still have a very tight friend group, and I think that'll always remain the same with me. 
but like you said like I didn't know you could really I'd never thought of having acquaintances you know I always thought you're either my friend or you're not and now realizing that like with some people like you just you see them at some points and you don't have to see them every day and with your close friends you don't have to message them every day but your real ones that you know they're still there even if there is some silence you know a lot of people fill that void of silence because they're not comfortable with it whether that's because something's happened with when it comes to trust or whatever you know it's interesting but you learn that it is. you do you do um yeah i'm i'm definitely someone who i'm when i'm a, when i'm with other people sometimes silence isn't a bad thing at all mm. um for some people it can be awkward for some you know hanging out with like groups of certain people like silence can be perceived as this awkward thing like oh okay I, I need to say something now honestly if you're ever just hanging out with people and you gotta run out of something to say and there's just a moment of a good five ten minutes however it may be how long it may be of silence just revel in it mm. see see how it makes you guys feel i think that that is if you if everyone in that group is comfortable with silence i think that is the sign of a very healthy group dynamic yeah absolutely it's yeah. tough though it's tough we're in it we're in an era where it's that silence is uncomfortable it's it's people aren't used to it because and i think it is because people have phones whether it's phones like going on instagram and stuff those moments of silence mentally are like we're it's using this you know it's going on twitter it's going on snapchat it's like anytime we feel like maybe a little bit like still we, we need something to look at, whether it's our computer or YouTube, like there's always something now, whether, whereas in the past, you know, it was going into nature and having almost much more time on your hands where you did have to sit still with your emotion. And that almost that life skill has been taken away because of just the amount of um, technology that's been created. So I think it translates with our mind too, and the silence. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I think in silence can be difficult when you're on your own. Um, sometimes for sure. Um, what I've been doing now is, you know, um, I noticed that I am pretty fine. If I am doing like, let's say I'm working, I'm studying or whatnot. And I'm listening to like some instrumental music in the back, some like calming, soothing whatever it may be, lo-fi beats to chill and study to, whatever, you know? I mean, it does numbers, I can't lie. So, um, like, whatever it may be, you know, I found that that's, like, very helpful and I can focus on what I'm doing. But if I am, like, working in, like, complete silence sometimes, I notice I can't really focus. It's an interesting thing. I, uh, yeah, I see that, too. I was doing yeah. one yesterday. I listened to a podcast in the background while I'm doing it. But I find my attention span's gone so short that I'll like pause the podcast sometimes just because I need like a minute to just like reflect on everything that just happened and then I'll continue it. I feel like my attention, I don't know about you, I have a terrible attention span. My attention span is oh, not wow. great. Yeah. You're able to read, man. Well, what happens? Like, <laughs> you again, I think, I think what it is is, um, I mean, again, I think a lot of it does play into like, you know, you're sort of like, the sort of like 
psychological training that your phone does to you there's like that whole i, I recommend to watch that documentary called the social dilemma it's really oh, interesting oh, um, i'm scared to watch yeah it. It, it's pretty scary but it's a good it's an important documentary i think i think it's an, i think you'd like it a lot um but there's obviously that and then there's also the fact that um i think if you don't read for a while consistently or reading for pleasure it kind of it's like any other skill right i think reading is a skill and when you don't do it for a while it's like any other skill like what happens when you don't play ping pong for a while you become you're, rough you're going to be rusty you're going to play and you're going to probably play like garbage and then what happens if you don't play for a while but then start playing every day again you're going to start picking it back up again because it's like that skill that you had never really left you just got to hone it the same thing with reading it's like any other skill, you know, you have to read again, you know, and, and if it takes like rereading passages to really get all the information, like that's okay. Uh, when I was younger, I used to do this thing where I was like, I never would fully actually retain what I was reading because for me, the rewarding factor was getting finished with the book as soon as possible. So it was like, I need to just get to the next chapter. I don't care if I like retaining, it's like, no, it can't, you need, yeah. See, so you know, there's that as well. <laughs> I was going to say, I think the reason I stopped reading as much is because I didn't find as rewarding of a pleasure from it. Like there's, there wasn't as much of a extrinsic reward for me. And I think late, like over the past like couple of years, maybe like subconsciously I've become more ex extrinsically rewarded. <sighs> Jeez, today is not my day for words. Like I've almost become like more expecting like an extrinsic reward because like you know when you're on your phone and someone sends you something like it's not a reward per se but it's like hearing that like ping is like it releases like dopamine inside of you yes um, when you're running it re releases dopamine when you're reading uh it's really interesting and if i had an attention span of more than two minutes i'd be able to do it but i don't know i just i struggle to Maybe it's because I'm meditating less too. I'm struggling to sit down as much. I'm. This is helping me realize what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna definitely start sitting down and reading more. It's a problem that I'm not doing that right now. I would love to read more too. Um, it's hard to find time. Obviously, I think because we're both like balancing schoolwork and whatnot, and like obviously the days you what you you do do with your uh, free time. I would imagine we're both trying to you know be. I think we're probably doing more social things um for free time and whatnot and i mean i'll be real like you know some people here that i've met are just like they're for their free time their lazy days they can like just sit down and watch a show um i used to be able to do that i cannot binge watch shows like i used to it's weird i just don't have either don't have the interest or just we'll do maybe like i used to do like an episode a night before bed or something but committing to something like that is it, it was just it was weird i just i don't guess uh i guess i lost interest or something but that was also a weird sort of revelation like okay why am i not interested in like binge watching shows like yeah you think it's some sort of growth maybe that it was just you, you didn't want to sit down and maybe it, it very well could be um i guess sometimes i, I do notice um when um because i mean again like uh you know like just because you go through you know stress and anxiety and, and depression doesn't mean that you know it can be cyclical it could come back in certain forms so um obviously like um 
you know, I was, like we had midterms a couple of weeks ago. So I was like stressed out around then. And then I realized like, oh, like I started like getting interest in like, cause I love movies. I love movies so much, but I had no interest in just like, I have a list of a bunch I want to watch. And I was like, I have no interest in like continuing this list right now, which is weird. But I noticed that like that happens whenever I'm very stressed. It's like, I have just kind of lose interest in like things I like. And that's like, again, it's, there's a lot of overlap between like anxiety and depression. So there's sort of like that mild, like depression of not really wanting to like do something that you know you like. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, our mind's powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to mess up. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a bit. Yes, sir. Thank you, Barb. Thanks for having me. Um, talk to you soon. All right.